podcast one production. Hey, I'm sports journalist Sam Squires. Welcome to On Her Game. Talika Clancy may be a star of beach volleyball now, but she actually hated the sport when she first tried it. Luckily, she stuck with it because she's gone on to represent the green and gold at the Olympics, win a silver medal at the Com Games and rise to world number two in 2019 before COVID struck in 2020. She's shown incredible strength on the court, but it's off it where she's discovering her power, the power of her voice. Talika is a proud Indigenous woman, the first to represent Australia in her sport at the Olympics, and she's on a journey to use her platform, profile and voice to give back to her community, as well as elevate and educate more about our Indigenous culture. But in a country that is surrounded by beautiful coastline and beaches, our beach volleyball star grew up far from the sandy shores, but in the country, 200 kilometres inland. What kind of kid was Talika Clancy? A very athletic, uh, mischievous, a uh, lot of sass. I think that that runs in my family. I was just that typical country girl. Um, you couldn't keep me inside. I loved any sport that I picked up and, yeah, I was like a total tomboy. So you, you mentioned being brought up in the country in Kingaroy in Queensland. That's a real, like there's so many, so much Australian sporting talent has come from your region, hasn't it? Oh yeah, definitely. Um, the Wide Bay, South Minute area, like we even got like Maddie Hayden, like Beric Barnes, you know, like there's just so much talent and <laughs> I'm so happy that I grew up in the country. Like I feel like it gave me really good values and it, and it, you know, that good Aussie like hard work, I think that all comes from the country. You're also big about family. It's really important to you, isn't it? Tell me about your family growing up. Yeah, my family is absolutely like, like absolutely everything. Um, so I have a single mom. Um, she was 17 when she had me, but I'm a strong, proud Aboriginal woman too. So my grandparents, I call them mum and dad. It's bit, like it feels so weird calling them grandparents. Yeah. And yes, yeah, so my mom has um, two other sisters, and my family's massive. And honestly, like. I think it's the blessing of of um, our culture is that, yeah, I might just, you might, like, I don't just have one mum, you know, mm. like your aunties, they take on that role as well. And I think that's like super special. And, you know, I do everything with my family and for my family. So <laughs> it's just, I can't describe that love I have for them. And you live with your nieces now, is that right, as well? So now you're the auntie around them in that family network. Yeah, for sure. And you're like, Technically, they're my cousins too. So, but a twenty-year age, twenty-eight-year age gap. Um, I'm mm. definitely an auntie figure for them. So, yeah. So we moved. We relocated the um, beach volleyball program from Adelaide in July, which was one of the silver linings of COVID this mm. year. So I'm officially back home. And at the moment, until my aunt and uncle kick me out, <laughs> I'm, I'm staying with them. And it's been such a nice to you know spend that time with family again. I'm back in Queensland as well, which is um, which is pretty cool. You mentioned before that your mum had you when she was 17. What was it like when you yourself turned 17? Did you start to have a newfound respect and understanding of what it would have been like for your mum to have you as a teenager? Yeah, definitely. Um, when I was 17, that's when I first moved down to Adelaide to be a part of the beach volleyball program. So that was a, a massive step of like, you know, adulting starting and <laughs> and being that full-time professional athlete. You know, I think I love that my mum was young when she had me. I think um, in the beginning it was like, we're sisters because we just have that same personality. <laughs> so we definitely butt heads. But 
I definitely know that I got that hard work from my mum. Um, just seeing her like live that all through the years, I think that's like how I definitely know all the great work she put in. I love that. You described yourself as an active kid. Tell me, what sports did you play? Because I've got the feeling that you're in such an athletic field, you would have been into everything. Is that right? Honestly, absolutely everything. <laughs> um, it first started with soccer. Um but we weren't the most wealthiest family. So mum was like, okay, we can't afford to do this anymore. So I was like, that's okay. Um, and then like straight away into athletics, I loved cross country, which is mad because I don't know. Like now I'm like, why did I love running <laughs> so much? <laughs> um, touch footy, swimming, got obsessed with swimming um, and then moved quickly into netball um, through my mum's baby sister. So she's only five years older than me. So I, was, mm-hmm. I did everything that she did. And that's how I ended up playing volleyball in high school. Because when my auntie was finishing up, that's when um, she, said, she said to me, she's like, you should play volleyball. I was like, okay. And so in grade eight, um, that's when I first started playing volleyball and haven't looked back since. So is that volleyball, like indoor volleyball? And when did it, it then make the transition into beach volleyball? How soon did yeah, that yeah. So a common pathway in Australia is um, is on the hard court, um, generally through high school. And there's this great comp called Schools Cup. So every state has it, and then you have the national one, which is usually held in Melbourne every year. Mm. And I was just lucky enough through those years that I got talent identified, and and you know being so lucky that being the only child and just I was always the baby. So. Um, <laughs> They never said no to any opportunities that I got. So we always would travel down to Brisbane. So anytime I got invited to camps, um, we were straight in the car and there every weekend. So yeah, I was lucky enough again to be talent identified when I was like 15 mm-hmm. to and selected to go to the, to be a part of the Queensland Academy of Sport. Mm-hmm. And in that program, you have to do beach and indoor. So that was the first time I was introduced to beach volleyball and it was not love at first sight. <laughs> Is that right? I could not stand it. It was a stinking hot <laughs> Queensland summer day. And oh. I just, country girl, I did not grow up in the sand. So I was like, the skills are the same as indoor volleyball, but I just could not move. And I was like, this is not for me, but that quickly changed. Well, how did it change then? How do you go from hating that going, get me inside, I'll do indoor volleyball in the air, but how did it change to then you 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 wanted to be in beach volleyball? How did that happen? It was just compulsory. <laughs> so, but it was great. There was a big group of girls in the program. So that quickly changed like very quickly for me because I got to see a whole new like lifestyle mm. of Oh, like I saw the lifestyle of beach volleyball. Like it's pretty fun, but super competitive. Every day is different. You're out in the elements every day. You get to travel the world and go to amazing places. And it's an Olympic sport. So it was, yeah, it was not hard (laughs) for me to change. And it's like a different challenge because there is no subs Mm. in beach volleyball. So just that extra challenge to the the game um, definitely quickly made me fall in love. Then if you were still living in Kingaroy... To go to, did you then have to go to the beach or were you going just to Brisbane? And how big a trip was that for you and your mum? Yeah, growing up, I was never not in the car. I think that's just comes with the country living. I, for most people, I think everyone thinks we actually play on the beach. We rarely ever play <laughs> on the beach, like ever, especially even across the world. We always travel and they 
can like build sand courts anywhere. So it's pretty cool like that. But we always were down in Brisbane. Um, Natalie Cook, who is a great mentor to me, one of my close friends now and also my manager, um, she owned Sandstorm which, or she owned Sandstorm at the time. And mm-hmm. that's where we all trained. Um, and that's where I first met her too. So, Was it a big trip to go to Sandstorm every every week or then did you move up to Brisbane? What was the go? Yeah, so um, originally from Kingaroya, it's like a two-hour, two two-and-a-half-hour two and a half hour drive mm-hmm. and that was the beginning of my career. But when I turned, I think... That's around, a five-hour round trip. Yeah, yeah. That's a lot of driving. Yeah, and, and you kind of miss that being in the country too, which is so crazy. It's just <laughs> like the normal, I don't know. My mum's just an absolute... She's amazing. Mm. Um, just doing that trip with me all the time. And then when I was about 15, we re- relocated to to Brisbane. And then was that when you met Nat and was part of Sandstorm? Yeah, we, yeah we met Nat, yeah, around the same time. And, yeah, I, it was pretty special that she saw the talent in me and, and took me under her wing. And, and I love that too because she embraced it. She knew that me and my mum and my whole family were a package deal too. So... <laughs> So she loves the crazy of my family. (laughs) Nat's a good mate of mine as well, and I just adore her so much. Her win at the 2000 Olympics was such an an iconic moment for Australian sport and especially for Australian beach volleyball as well. You know, on Bondi Beach, winning the gold medal in your home Olympics. I mean, it doesn't get much better than that. Do you remember it? This is so bad, and I had to tell Nat I did not watch the game. (laughs) <laughs> I'm saying because I was eight at the time. I was at school, so I couldn't watch the game. Not thinking that was going to be your sport. I know, which is, but it was definitely the Kathy Freeman moment for me. Like I can never forget that, and I think that, like, I always knew I wanted to be a professional athlete. Mm. But watching the 2000 Olympics, I was like, oh. I'm going to be an Olympian. Like that's <laughs> like that's it. But Natalie definitely, Nat and Kerry totally set up my pathway um, in beach mm. volleyball. Like without that success, I wouldn't ha- um, have the lifestyle that I have today and and have that love for the sport. Did you? What was Nat's reaction when you told her that actually I, I never watched your moment, yours and Kerry Podhas's moment? Well, this year she um, actually hired out one of the gold class cinemas, and so and she got a few of us marking the twenty year. So I actually got to watch the game, and it was it was the first time for the first time. This year was the first time you watched it. First time I saw the game. (laughs) She gave me a little dig, definitely, but it was awesome (laughs) to sit there and, and watch the game. Oh, and to relive that with the person by your side that would have been really special. Yeah, it was it was pretty cool. And was there something when Nat hired the gold the gold class cinema um, to watch her event? Did that light your fire? Was there something? Did it make the hairs on your body stand up on end? What what did that do to you? Yeah, it definitely. Yeah, it. I can't describe the feeling that I get inside, but it definitely brings that up. And it was especially needed too because it's been such a hard year, and mm. I've had no tournaments. Like we're just not competing, so it was. I think it was a very important experience to go through to, you know, keep that motivation high. And it was crazy too because the game is completely different from, <laughs> but like, the you know, the court. It's not like nine by nine then. Now it's eight by eight. Um, like wow. you score every point on rally point. Then you only scored on serving from right. serving. Like, yeah, so it was a completely different game too. So it's cool to see like the evolution and growth of volleyball as well. Mm-hmm. But Definitely the feeling of that Olympic moment 
is so incredible. And I think it kind of also shows how important it is that we have a home Olympics too. So I am mm. hoping that they have the Brisbane Olympics. Like I pray, like that'll be my perfect retirement moment <laughs> in 2022. So I'm hoping. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Can you just tell us a little bit more about beach volleyball and the partners? Like how do you get a partner in beach volleyball? What is it? What does it take? Do you guys have to be friends off the court as well as on the court? How do you go about it? Simply, it's generally starts with the national program. <laughs> but to really get that great chemistry on the court is, it's hard to describe, but it is so Im- important. You know, you have that values and your goals. And when those align, like you can't explain the chemistry that you have. Mm-hmm. So with Maria Faye right now, it's definitely like, it's honestly as an athlete, you're like, okay, you you prepare for the worst, but then you also prepare for the best. Like you have it there. And I'm like, okay, we're going to go through some hard times. But mm. for me and Maria Faye, it's only just keeps getting better and better. Like the results that we've been having has been absolutely insane. Like mm. coming third last year at World Champs and during when Maria Faye got injured, I can't believe that <laughs> she was able to still, still like compete. And that was what we ended up with third. Mm. Is, it was incredible. But for us, especially because we have to travel the world, like we have a world tour mm. and being an Australian, like we're not the same as the Europeans, like they can go home every week and, mm. you know, and blissfully live, like not being like living together, like mm. beach volleyball legit is a relationship without benefits. Like <laughs> she, Maria Faye sees me more than her husband. Like, so that's how much we're living together on tour. So for, for Australians, it definitely does help for us to, to get along and to have that good mutual respect. So that is an important part of beach volleyball as well. But also there's teams that absolutely like can't stand each other. Really? Can't stand each other, I, but I are the best teams think- in the world. Really? And can't yeah. stand each other. But on yeah. court, they work. Off court, they're like, see you later. You do your thing. I'll do mine. A hundred percent. Wow. 100%. I find that so fascinating because I would have thought it, it would be important to have that chemistry on court, but that would be built off court as well. Yeah. I think, I don't think I could function it like those teams <laughs> do, but yeah, well, I have this amazing connection with Maria Faye and with my former partner too, Louise Grice, um, in the Rio Olympics too. So I've been very fortunate enough to have two great beach volleyball partners. Does it take long to create that strong partnership? Do you have to like, I guess, a bit like a relationship, you have to go through your ups and your downs and you just get stronger every time? Well, for some relationships, let's be honest. <laughs> <laughs> I have been super fortunate enough that there has just been that click of the goals and and what we really want to achieve that has been awesome. Mm. But yeah, there's always ups and downs. Like Lou and I are two very strong personalities and we did have our clashes, but you know, we're, as being strong um, women too, you know mm. that, you know, that's what you have to go through. So there was always love and we always knew that we're pushing each other and, and we just wanted the same outcome outcome as well. So, mm. yeah, I think it's kind of a beauty of our sport. You know, like I said, there is no sub. So you got to work it out. you got to go through the hard times and, mm. yeah. And you, you said being Australian and not, I guess, being European and being able to go home and have your break away from that person. You're in each other's pockets all the time. Um, do you get moments where you're like, okay, well, you just go your way, go to the movies or go to go to a cafe and then I'll go to a different cafe or yeah that's what the coach is for <laughs> <You're right. laughs> they're the buffer no sure. uh, look we don't get tired of each other but you definitely learn each other's routines even our coach Kirk um 
the beauty of me and him is that we're actually of like, we just love going out and doing stuff all mm. the time where Maria Faye will happily go back to the to a hotel room and sit. So you eventually do figure it out. Like, yeah, you figure out the routines that, that you have. You are the first Aboriginal woman to play beach volleyball for Australia at the Olympics. Tell me, what does that accomplishment mean to you? It still feels like a bit surreal, to be mm. honest. I feel like that's one thing that will really sink in when I'm older because I still feel like there's a lot that I can give back to mm-hmm. to my people and also I still have a lot more that I want to achieve just individually as mm-hmm. well. So, yeah, when you're first, like, going for your first Olympics, like, you are very much, like, in your bubble and just mm-hmm. trying to get that goal and I don't really feel like until these last few years since that moment that I've really understood the impact that I can have Mm. with giving back to my community. So yeah, I still feel like I'm very much at the beginning. You know, there's so many great role models that that like Adam Goods and Kathy Freeman. Like there's just like the Eddie Betts. Like there's so many people Mm. like Ash Barty, Sam Kerr. Like there's so many athletes and it's hard to like see myself (laughs) there with them. So I feel like that's going to take a while. You are there. You are definitely there. For you as an Indigenous and a proud Indigenous woman, you mentioned before Kathy Freeman, just take me there. What did it mean, mean for you as an Indigenous woman watching that moment for Kathy Freeman at the 2000 Sydney Olympics? I think when you're like, when I was eight, I didn't really understand the significance, even mm-hmm. though I felt it when I was watching and that's what inspired me until her documentary. And when you get older, then I started, then I really understand how important it is you know, to see my mob on TV and doing mm. doing excellent and winning. And yeah, that was like now sitting back, I definitely know how important that was for me because mm. if that moment didn't happen, I probably wouldn't be in this position um, that I am in today. Picking up on that theme, you said that, oh, I've heard you say that you're on a bit of a journey in terms of your heritage and your Indigenous culture, you're on your own journey in that sense. What does that mean? And can you tell me a little bit more about that journey that you're on to understanding your your heritage and Indigenous culture? I think I've always just grown up as a proud Aboriginal woman. Like just my whole family is just so proud. But I feel like the journey is more like how as a role model and being an athlete, like it's how I can give back in the best way. And I've been very fortunate enough to this year to to be a part of the Deadly Choices. I've become an ambassador and it's such a great um, company. Like honestly, what they do and everything they stand for is is everything that I want to be able to give back. And it's all mm. about health and, and being there and like not just help and physical with mental health, like all of that. And, you know, I think that is important. I think that's how we win as my people is is to look after each other and and to, you know, give back to the community and take care of each other. And that's the messages that they send. Um, was there a, a catalyst or a moment for you when you thought, when you had that realisation that started you off on that journey where you realised, oh, hang on, I, I do have a platform, I do have a profile and I almost have a responsibility here. I think like a really special moment was um, one of my coaches down in Adelaide, Mick Nelson. He introduced me to Paulie Vandenberg um, Mm -hmm. at the Port Adelaide Football Club and he was like, oh, would you like to meet this this guy? He does great work um, with the Aboriginal community from SA to like NT and I was like, yeah, I'd love to to be a part of that. Mm -hmm. Um, And then I got to see and be a part of the great programs that, that he runs and I was like, wow, like, 
there are there is a platform here that I can help give back to to mm. my community. I couldn't like it was the best experiences I've ever had. And slowly from there, I always have this thing like I need results. Like it's so <laughs> like, you know, to really feel that role model and that status for mm. myself as like an like a real professional athlete. I know it's crazy, but that's just how I am. Um, and so I don't think until like oh, the Olympics happened and I was able to to make that goal, did I really like go like, okay, no, like this is my voice. And mm. it's, yeah, it's been a total journey in that sense of being like, actually like, what more can I do? And, and how can I have a good, strong voice? And I still feel like I'm learning, which is like crazy. Mm. Like I still, you know, feel a bit ignorant sometimes. And, and I just make more steps now to educate myself. In what way do you feel ignorant? Um, in terms of like, I would say like, I didn't really understand Terra Nullius until like a few years ago. And I was mm. like, how did I not, not know this? Like, mm. so it's like learning what I, what areas that I want to, what messages I want to push and how we can keep getting better. You know, I wouldn't say I'm like the most political person, but I want to make sure that I can be a part of that. I think mm. the Adam Goods documentary was like a, a great learning piece for me to be like, oh, okay, my experience is the same. And, mm. and you know, like he shows how he went through that educational process as well. Like, mm. you know, our culture has been so stripped. And mm. as much as we're proud, like a lot of my family, like, you know, we were in survival mode. So we lost a lot of like the culture, like in language and, and you know, ceremonies. Like we lost that. Mm. But we didn't lose the proud Aboriginal mm. part. And so, yeah, I do feel like I do need to educate myself. You talk about your family, your grandparents. Did they ever talk about their experiences as Indigenous Australians? Yeah, they have a lot more now too. Like I was able to go. So my family's actually from Eidswold, this tiny small town in the North Burnett. And a few weeks ago, I I drove um, home with him and, and he was sharing stories and yeah, it was, you know, they're the moments that I really cherish. And going back home and playing a little volleyball tournament with all my family there, because like literally everyone in that town I'm related to. So <laughs> that was like, yeah, it's nice because he takes me back to Eidswold Station where he grew up and he tells me stories. Um, and even like, even my grandmother too, he, she would show me where she lives. So I know that we definitely had a hard pass, but mm. again, I see that they're total hard workers. Like, it is insane. Every th- every value that they um, grew up with is just so strong and how strong they are as people. And to come, you know, they were literally living in like tin sheds, mm. you know. And like as a kid, I would have not even known at all. Mm. Like they've provided and gave me the best life I've ever had. So, you know, I didn't even see half the struggles that they had. Mm. Racism, is that something that you have experienced? I'm not like I know that I'm lucky because I do have a fairer skin like I'm more a tan <laughs> look for other people mm. but the one comment that I have received and I and I don't think it's like it's on the same par is oh but you're not that black mm. and I'm like excuse me <laughs> what's that supposed to mean yeah what does that yeah. even mean because the one thing that is crazy is that, and not not now until I've really realised, is that, you know, a lot of us mob, we, we like go between two worlds, mm. you know, like when we're with family and when we're not. Like, so, yeah, when I'm hanging around more, say, my wider friends, you don't see that other side of me. 
And that's, I find that really difficult. And I've even had it when I travel as well. So Mm. yeah, that honestly, that just hurts like just as much, but I definitely Mm. know that it comes with, uh, I don't know the correct word for it, but the appearance has definitely made people judge me less for Mm. sure than if I was to just say be darker. Like I definitely know there is advantages and that I haven't had to, to cop as much racism as other athletes out there. Mm. Not even just athletes, like other, other, yeah. other people as well. How would you describe that when they say, not that black? Is that meant to be an insult or is that meant to be, and how does that, how does it affect you? You explained, but can you explain a little bit further? Yeah, well, it's just like, how am I meant to, like, how, how is a, Aboriginal person meant to act like how what is how do you know Mm. like you know that it is it is just super hurtful because it's like I I know I don't have to prove Mm. my Aboriginality to you but it it's yeah it's hurtful it's hard like I don't know it's like you know instead of just learning and if you actually there are people that never even actually asked about my family or you know about like what what has gone on in Australia, they're the people that are making this comment to me. So mm. I'm like, I don't know. Am I meant to prove? How do I prove that mm. to you? And why should I have to prove that to yeah. you? Like, it's just, it's insane, honestly. When I am my strong Aboriginal woman, they can't handle me. Mm. And then they're a bit like, whoa, like, mm. who is this? And I was like, no, this is actually me. Like, yeah. you know, this is this is who I am. Like, that is a strong Aboriginal woman right there. Mm. And like that. Yeah. It's proud of something you shouldn't have to hide. Yeah, at all. exactly. And I've felt a lot a lot of lack of understanding because, you know, I am in a predominantly like white sport, like middle class mm. middle class, um, Australia white like white sport. So you didn't you don't really realise when you're younger what that kind of impact or you just yeah, you just I wasn't really aware. Mm. Yeah. Um, that comes from a place of ignorance a lot of the yeah. time. Is that something and we alluded to it before, but something um, like you say, you're on a, a pathway to education and learning more. But importantly, as well, is should all Australians be on that pathway as well? Yeah, I think so. I 100% think so. I just, you know, I feel like one of my values of in life is to to keep growing, like continuous growth. Um, it's been a part of our values as as my first Olympic team was just continuous growth, and I think. Like no one should just settle. We should always learn to know more and to be better. And and empathy is always a, a great quality and I really value that. So I think mm. that is about, you know, learning, knowing more and being able to have open conversations um, and, yeah, just being open to receive and le- and learning and giving back. And the more you learn, the only the better you're going to be. <laughs> 100%. 100%. Let's talk about the Olympics because you mentioned it before making that first Olympics. Your first Olympics was at Rio, which is the home of beach volleyball, right? What was that like? It was amazing. Total bias. <laughs> we had the best venue. Like, <laughs> Beach, we totally had the best venue 100%. and the best fans. Like we did. Like it is the home of beach volleyball. It's a home of volleyball. They oh, love it there. Yeah. You know, soccer's a religion, volleyball's the sport. So <laughs> yeah, it was, it was incredible. That was yeah, you can't really get a better beach volleyball first Olympics. So, yeah, that was awesome. Um, yeah, it's crazy too because, like, quarterfinals was amazing. Mm. But I definitely, 
am still a bit bittersweet. So yeah. I definitely know that for Tokyo, I'm definitely pushing for, you know, that gold medal. So mm. I definitely learnt a lot, that's for sure. And there's nothing more special and more proud than when you get to put on the green and gold. Like, mm. you know, when you become a part of that Olympians club and to be a part of the Australian team, it is incredible. I was going to ask you about that quarterfinals. Like, was that expected? Were you, you, you described it as, as bittersweet. When you left the Olympics, oh, how did that, how did you feel about that result? It was definitely, I would say it was expected. Like we knew that Mm -hmm. it was quarterfinals or up. Like we knew that. It was just difficult because, you know, it's my first Olympics and I don't think I was ready for that big moment when it came, Mm. which is hard to say. But, yeah, you know, we played Kerry Walsh and she's like, what, three Olympic gold medals, Mm. you know. She goes all right. Um, (laughs) So, yeah, so, yeah, I didn't handle that big moment well. I wish that I was the player that I am now mm-hmm. then, but I guess that's the beauty of, of growing in the sport. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so I definitely know there's there's more to give and, you know, I really believe that Maria Faye and I too um, in this new partnership can really achieve that goal. Was it nerves? Was it um, like the you described as being the enormity of, of the event? Was it just bigger and wilder than and more nerve-wracking that you expected the Olympics? Yeah, it was definitely nerves, I think. And in a way, I don't really feel like I deserved more than a quarterfinal, which, um, yeah, I don't think I deserved more. I don't, you know, there's more in that year that I knew that I could be better and um, with like in terms of my volleyball and skills and stuff. So Mm. I definitely knew, yeah, there was more to give. And I just don't think that I prepared myself for that moment very well. But but I'm grateful for that moment. You know, Mm -hmm. it happened for a reason. It's still... A great result mm-hmm. and I loved every part of my partnership with Louise. So yeah, it's yeah, it's kind of difficult to to say those things. But I definitely feel like that was all I kind of deserved in that Olympics. Mm. And so I'm definitely trying to change that for this Olympics. You talk about the the quarterfinals being all you deserve. Can you just explain that a little bit more? Was that something that you felt at the time or was it something upon reflection that you kind of came to realising. Explain to me a little bit more about that. Uh, that was definitely on reflection and, you know, re, you know, getting ready for, for the next Olympics. Um, I really needed to, like, you know, look back and go through that. I feel like all Olympians do. Um, we all go back and, and we really, like, yeah, think about that moment, you know, like, could we have done better? Is there more to give? And I, and I definitely felt like sitting back and I'm just like, you know what, like you gave it your best and you gave it your all, but that's kind of where I sat. I was like, you know what, I could have been better in my preparation. You know, there was a lot of areas that I still felt like I could improve on. And, you know, I've definitely learned from that experience and it's been a total different experience going to my second Olympics. There were a lot of changes post Rio for you, new coach, uh, new partner. What kind of impact did that have on you? Yeah, every four years for every athlete, there's always big changes after Olympic cycles. It can mm. be even just in terms of funding, um, coaches, partnerships, like absolutely everything just just changes. And that was really, I found that like so difficult because mm. I had a great coach, Steve Tudden, and I, he was at Aboriginal as well. So that extra bond that and understanding that he had of me as an athlete, like, you know, he was such a huge part of my life, my career. Um, it was really difficult when 
he didn't get rehired and he and he lost his job. That was like so hard for me. Mm. Um, and we got a new coach in and me and him did not see eye to eye. Mm. So that was really difficult. You know, Lou and I, she was heading towards retirement and, mm-hmm. you know, even me and her were butting heads at one stage that year mm. too. So it was a really, really, really hard year for me. Because i got to imagine like you're on a four-year cycle. I know you have your world champs and there's Commonwealth Games in within that four-year cycle, but like you, you build up to the Olympics and there's such, so much pressure, um, so much build up. And then afterwards, it just like, how do you get yourself, you're at the start of another four-year cycle. Like it, what's it like mentally for you to get yourself up for another kind of four-year cycle after, is there a bit of burnout straight afterwards, especially with all those changes? Yeah, I definitely struggle with with motivation. You know, it is hard work. It is draining. Mm. And some people like, you know, some people just can handle that moment a little bit better. But I definitely was in a burnout phase for Mm. sure. But yeah, I was just so lucky too that, you know, we had still some pretty good results during that 2017 season. Mm. And at the end of the year, um, I was lucky enough to, you know, Maria Faye and I gave it a go. And instantly we had some pretty good success. We already, we won the first like Asian tour event. And then the week after that, we won a three-star event in China Mm. on the world tour. And then after that, we played another Asian tour and won. And I was like, oh, there's something really special here. Like, yeah. And that started my new motivation going into the, to the next Olympic cycle. I was going to ask you, what was it that then, how did you get your motivation back? Was it just, as you said, to persevere through all of that? Or was there anything that like different that clicked or you did different kind of training? Did you take a break? No, literally we, for some reason that year we got sent to like Holland for three months. So, wow. <laughs> so okay. we were literally just straight back on onto world tour. Yeah. I think it was just understanding that my love for volleyball was still there. It mm. was just, it was just a learning experience. Like I, it was my first Olympic. So I didn't think I expected that burnout to happen mm. and to feel those moments of lack of motivation. But I still knew I loved volleyball and that was, you know, I wasn't done. I had more I wanted to achieve. Like mm-hmm. I said, like the quarterfinal was amazing, but, you know, I know I deserve to be on that podium, like mm. gold. Like I know that's, you know, that's where I want to be. And I knew that I had more that I wanted to succeed mm-hmm. in volleyball. So, yeah. So I think if the love wasn't there, I think I, you know, it would be a very different story. But yeah, I still had big goals that I want to achieve. So let's talk about 2018 because that was um, talking about goals and big goals and talking about achieving some really big goals. 2018 was a massive year. Obviously, first season with your new partner, Maria Faye, you claim the most titles ever won by an Australian men's or women's beach volleyball team. I'd say you two clicked very, very well that year. <laughs> Yeah, very quickly. Oh, wow. I didn't even like think about that. I've always been so like outcome driven and, mm. but I, I love the process. Don't get me wrong, but I, I definitely want to win. Um, But yeah, it was crazy. You know, I expect, you know, when I first started that new partnership, I was like, I knew it was right. I knew mm. the chemistry was there. So whatever result, results came from that year, I was always going to be proud of what we we're going to be able to achieve. But yeah, it's crazy to think that we're able to, you know, to keep getting stronger and keep getting podiums and podiums yeah. and finals every week. Like it was crazy. Like the first massive tournament that Maria Faye and I had was in the first three months, which was at the Com Games, yeah. which, you know, that is such a you know, that's massive for a, mm. a new team. Like you know, the team that won um, the Canadians who we're good friends with, Mel and Sarah, 
you know, they've been playing together for a couple of years before mm. before Maria Fame and I even got together. So to be able to give them a good push in mm. that in that final, I think that really set up our journey together. It was because I was going to mention that was also a Com Games year, but that was actually the first time beach volleyball was being held at the Commonwealth Games. And it's your home, Commonwealth Games. You've just got a new partner. Did you feel some kind of pressure then on your shoulders uh, going into those Com Games? To be honest, no. I was just really excited. For me, it was really special because my grandfather got, um, he had a back surgery and he had some complications with that leading into Rio. Mm. So he wasn't able to come over. So for me, it was just super special because I was actually at home and he could finally watch me compete in my Australian uniform, you know, so that yeah. was, yeah, that was more special. And, you know, my, my niece Stella was like first born and again, like, you know, that was a special moment. So yeah, yeah, it was, that was just a really special time. Um, and you know, it was new for Maria Faye and I. So I think that brought us even closer together, mm-hmm. um, to really take care of each other and, and to have that experience and to compete well. So yeah, it was awesome. Again, biased. Cool and Gatta, best spot, beach volleyball. <laughs> so. I dare say every Olympics and now every Commonwealth Games, you guys are definitely going to have the best location for sure. <laughs> you, in 2019, you rose to world number two. You must have been building quite nicely from what it sounds like to reach 2020 and the Tokyo Games. When the Games, you found out that they were postponed, what was your reaction and, and how did that feel? For you, how disruptive has it been for you? Yeah, to, I definitely, I can't lie. Like it, it has been difficult year for, for me, definitely. Like, you know, I've been doing it for a long time now and I know other athletes have been doing it even longer than me, but 12 years in the national program and, you know, like everything I do is to compete. Like I love that feeling and, you know, 2019 was such, every year we've just gotten stronger as a team and 2019 we're showing even bigger strides again. Mm. So I felt like we really did have that good motivation. I mean, not motivation, sorry. Momentum. Momentum leading <laughs> into the Olympics. So yeah, it, it was difficult. But again, there's always a silver lining. I mm-hmm. always try to find the positive and it's now that I have been able to re- relocate home. And mm. I think that has actually been a better shift for us as well. Um, Maria Faye and I definitely feel that relocating to Queensland has definitely helped with our preparation still moving into the Olympics next year. Speaking of Tokyo, you are on the official coin for the Tokyo from the Mint, the Australian Mint. It features Taliqua. Clancy. And I understand this is normally a spot reserved for, well, in the past, there've been so many swimmers that have been on the, um, on the coin to be a beach volleyball um, player. And, and for you as well, to have Talika Clancy on that, what did that mean for you when you first heard about that you're going to be on it? It was pretty unbelievable. Um, I don't think I've ever applied to an email so quick. (laughs) (laughs) It was really cool. As soon as I saw the Australian Royal Mint, I was like, oh, my God. (laughs) I was like, no way. So, yeah, it's it's pretty special and it's really big for for our sport, for my sport. Mm. So... Yeah, that was, it's pretty cool that, you know, it's it's a huge accomplishment for myself, but I'm happy that, you know, I can wear that flag for our sport and hope, yeah, it was, it was pretty cool. And what's <laughs> even more crazy was the only reason why I knew Royal Australian Mint was because we wanted a year seven camp to Canberra. And <laughs> I, 
you know, I don't forget that camp. And we went to the Mint and, yeah, I, and I loved it. So I knew instantly, like, who was emailing me. So it was really special. That's awesome. That was our year six excursion to Canberra as well to go to the Royal Mint. Um, so I hear you on that. Your family, how did they react? I don't think they really understood in the beginning, <laughs> to <laughs> be honest. Yeah. But it was, yeah, they were, they're pretty happy. My family's definitely the more, like, tell every other person on the planet about what I do, but not, you know, keeping me humble <laughs> at yeah, the same right. time, which is good. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, for you, after the Olympics, um, after your sport ends, after Taliko Clancy, the beach volleyball star, is your career is done. What does the future hold? My passion is definitely giving back to my people and my community. I'd love to continue the work that I do with DC, that I do with Deadly Choices. Mm-hmm. I love being a part of giving back and and focusing on that health and taking care of each other. I think that's such an important part of what I, who I am and and where I feel like I can really give back. So that is extremely important for myself and that's where I want to see myself and what I would love to be doing after my career. And you're creating a legacy in sport then and then you want to continue that legacy outside of when your sport career finishes. Yeah, definitely. I feel like that's, you know, it's a beauty, beautiful part of being an athlete is that you get given this platform and I think it's such a waste if we don't use it to give back to the community. I love that. I love that. On that note, the last question I ask at the end of each podcast is what message would you go back and what would you do if you could go back and talk to 10-year-old Taliqua? What would you tell her? I would definitely tell 10-year-old Taliqua to keep dreaming big and bigger, even bigger <laughs> than what what I did at the time. Yeah, I just keep dreaming absolutely big. Like it, that shy girl back in the day too, I was such a quiet, like i express myself through, you know, physical activity and, and not till I'm older do I find that voice. So that shy girl, like <laughs> it's coming, keep dreaming big and, and keep working hard. I can't imagine you being, being a shy, shy girl. I know. At all. I was like, so well, shy. Are you serious? It was like crazy. <laughs> I think, I think back and I'm like, sometimes you need to be that quiet shy <laughs> No, <girl."> not <laughs> at all. Well, you're a powerful voice in your sport, powerful voice your culture um, for Indigenous Australians and powerful voice for all Australians and sport in general. So thank you for having that voice and thank you for sharing your story with On Her Game. Thank you. Thank you for having me. On Her Game was presented by me, Sam Squires, and produced in collaboration with Podcast One Australia. Producer, Lindsay Green. Audio producer, Darcy Thompson. Executive producer, Jennifer Goggin. For more episodes, head to podcastoneaustralia.com.au, download the free Podcast One Australia app or search on her game podcast.